talk to me about rock and roll. I'm out there in the clubs and on the streets, and I'm living it. I am rock and roll. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? because I listen to pop music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Record, episode four. Give us a second, number 31. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is Give Up by the Postal Service. That's right. We're sticking with this, despite lack of interest from the audience and potentially you for this episode. (laughs) But uh, this was a formative album for me, or at least uh, I I associate it with certain times in my life because I was listening to it a lot. In that 19, 20-year-old range. I have a lot of memories tied up with this. And then throughout its journey and what happened with the the comeback sort of in 2013. So Yeah, listening to it in preparation for this was certainly like hopping into a time machine. It was an album that I had probably hadn't listened to in a long time. Yeah. Long time. <laughs> and some of the tracks were like welcomed friends like slipping on a comfortable pair of shoes and then some of the other tracks i was like oh god well i definitely don't (laughs) think that this album like every track is great but the ones that i do like i really like i'll say that okay so before we talk about this album let's talk about our show in general everyone is excited for the greatest october which will be starting soon yes not really a whole lot to say about it other than it'll probably be the same as all the other years it'll be awesome People are just like, are we even going to address the elephant in the room? That fucking three hour and ten minute (laughs) American Beauty episode. I think people were responding positively. I think people were just like, Zach needs a fucking therapist. Like, he needs someone else to talk to. (laughs) Yeah, well, I had a lot to get to. (laughs) You had a lot of notes. (laughs) I will say, like, listening through it, I I still felt like, you know, three hours in, we were still kind of bringing the energy. We're still interested. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Sometimes we never have the energy even from like moment one. Exactly. And then other yes. times we can carry it for three hours. <laughs> We're all over the place. So aside from Greatest October, I would say that without committing to anything, this will probably be the last episode of On the Record until 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just breaking down what the schedule was going to look like post-October. It's always like an aggressive move to throw out. We're not going to get to this again until the next calendar year. <laughs> but I'm, I'm being realistic. I gotcha. Yeah, we have a lot to do. It's a miracle we got to on the record this early after we did the Hold Steady one. True. Because the time between Miley Cyrus and the Hold Steady was like five months or something. <laughs> yeah. It was a huge... When people yeah. see these ones pop up, they're like, what? Is this? They're still trying this bullshit. <laughs> it's not enough that they have a regular podcast and a mini series. Now they need another thing. Uh, yeah, it is crazy. How, how desperate and pathetic can two people be? Well, we're out here trying to prove we'll pretty desperate, you. pretty yeah, pathetic. Right. No, I think Greatest October is spoken for. And then I guess we can let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We're going to take another hiatus in November. Not the whole month like last time, but. Probably like two or three weeks. Did so, we take the whole month of November off last most year? Most of it, yeah. Wow. We did like V for Vendetta 
Yeah, on, I remember that. The, in the beginning of November, and then I think not till the first week of December we came back. I think. Yeah. Something. I like the V for Vendetta episode. Yeah. It might not be that long this year, but it'll be a few weeks. And then I think we're going to try to do more holiday-themed stuff for December this year. So, on the record, it's just not going to be a priority. I know what the next album we're going to do is. I've already been listening to that. Okay. And mentally preparing. Even though we're not recording it for... (laughs) You know, I'm getting my takes months. ready. Okay, good. <laughs> That's that could be like a four-hour episode of right. on the record. <laughs> but I just wanted to throw that out there, and you know, okay, so if people good. love on the record and they're worried it's not coming back, they don't need to worry; it will come back. That very and if they hate it, then they don't need to be small worried niche about seeing audience. it for a while. Yeah, that's into on the on the record. I think the fan base is growing. They're getting used to it. They're getting used to the fact that we don't know anything about music yet are still determined <laughs> to still talk about it. Right. I mean, that's not different from anything else, though. It's interesting. If we, w- I think you're probably the same as me in that if we had been doing this podcast like 15 years ago, you know, before people did podcasts, oh, I know we would be talking about music well, and be less sure of ourselves in movies I was and now kinda, it's completely the opposite i mean like listening to this album and like thinking back to this time in my life all i cared about when i was 19 was like, playing music with my friends like playing in bands and like just like drinking beer was like the only thing i cared about now it's like hard to even imagine like that being a part of my life yeah i think it's funny though that we probably both thought of ourselves as like into like music and into cool music, but like oh, we, yeah. we were probably very limited though on like what type of music we actually oh, sure. listened to and like. Well, I mean, this w- and that's we were far from experts, is what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. And this is it's one of the things that kind of why this album I wouldn't say is important to me, but like stands out to me in my life because it certainly was on the heels of the only thing I was listening to leading up to like around this time was standard emo music. Right. You know what I mean? And this was like kind of like that first crossover appeal into like the indie market as well for me. Yeah. It's not that dissimilar though. Sure. To some of the themes absolutely there's of emo a a lot of angst still in the lyrics and remember bright eyes did an album that was digital ash in the digital urn or something like that it was very similar vibe that new wave and i mean death cab inspired music basically it was emo too but they kind of got away with not being like lumped into it yeah because they started out so indie and so small well dude it used to drive me nuts when i was like in high school or whatever and like into music and then people were just like yeah this is indie music like this is a genre uh, like yeah. the idea of like indie being a genre like never was like making sense to me yeah it still doesn't really make sense but it's so weird to think about how much time i wasted in middle school and high school being concerned with what bands were on what labels and what right. it all meant and bands selling out to major labels and were you a sellout if you were on Epitaph or Vagrant or Victory? Or were you a sellout if you played on the Warp Tour? Or what, what people, the things that people debated when yes. they had no business talking about it because they were in seventh grade in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They weren't actually in a van trying to carve out I a know. living playing music. But this is what people were obsessed with. 
No one talks about that kind of shit now. I know. It's absurd to even think about because now any band is so desperate to make any kind of an impact that they would sell all of their songs to commercials if they could. Absolutely. Whereas it used to be an option not to. You used to be able to be a musician and not sell out. Now it's impossible. There's no way. Well, I and uh, you know I kind of like in in like during this time it certainly meant more to me. But like the idea of like this Ben Gibbard character, the lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie, and the singer on this album, like carrying on that Seattle music thing so much so that the Postal Service album is on Sub Pop, who had yeah. like Nirvana's album. Yeah, this is the Postal Service's only studio album. It was released on February nineteenth, two thousand and three, which kind of caught me off guard because I probably didn't start listening to it until, I don't know, 2005? Yeah, it was like, like summer that. 2005 for me. Uh, I had heard songs from it before I like really started listening to it. Yeah, but- I think somebody had made me a CD with some songs on it. It was still in that era of burn CDs. Yeah, well... Mixed CDs I, I actually stuff. very clearly remember the night I kind of got into it. I, I was like, you know, just with a couple girls that I was hanging out with at the time, and they were like driving me around i don't know bopping around town trying to find a party or something and they put the the cd on and they put it on track four nothing better where it's like ben gibbard and a chick singing which for years i thought was jenny lewis since she's on the album so much but i guess it's the other girl yeah jen Jen wood Wood. the two girls in the driver and the girl in the passenger seat were singing it like back and forth (laughs) and i was like i don't know like i mean it sounds stupid now but I was like, wow, I like this song, and this is just kind of like an interesting thing to be witnessing. And I think I, uh, you know, went on to download the rest of the album through whatever illegal downloading service I was using at the time. Yeah, (laughs) And uh, it's funny, you know, I wasn't really listening to Death Cab at all at the time. I I knew that Death Cab was a band that existed. I had probably listened to I Will Follow You Into the Dark or something a a couple times, but I wasn't actively listening to them at all. We all knew about Death Cab because... Seth Cohen on the OC. That's right. Yeah. Love Death Cab. Yes. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, it's so much so that like, I don't know, maybe like a year later or within that same year, I was like over at another girl's house who I used to hang out with and she was playing music and I hear the voice, it's Ben Gibber's voice. And I'm like, is this like a new postal service album? And she's like, well, it's Death Cab. It's the same guy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, this album, as you mentioned, came out on Sub Pop. It was the best-selling release from Sub Pop since Nirvana's Bleach, which was released in 1989. Yeah, they're a big indie, and they've been around a long time. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at their roster, most of their big acts went on to sign with other people and released their biggest albums elsewhere. Yeah, but I still think it's pretty... It's crazy to... Well, you want to know what's crazy? Please. Give Up by the Postal Service was released closer in time to (laughs) when Bleach by Nirvana was released than it is to today. Yeah. And Bleach was released in 1989. Wow. 2003 doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, okay? It is crazy. All right, I know that I I bring this up a lot, but come on. Yeah, I know. Like, even me, like, reminiscing back to this time period of my life. It's almost disturbing how long ago the 10-year anniversary of this album was when they were, like, re-releasing it on vinyl and that whole thing. Well, yeah, I have, and that's something that I want to get to because it certainly popped back up in my life during that time period. For those who don't know, 
the Postal Service consists of Jimmy Tamborello from Dintel, which well, I, dude, I don't really know what that well, is. He is, is Dintel, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. There was like a video that, that came out when they had the comeback in 2013. It was like a funnier die thing. Did you see this? No. Maybe, oh, I, I heard, I read about it. I didn't watch it. Maybe you can use like a, a clip from it for this episode or something. Yeah, because don't ever tell me what clips these <laughs> The thing that they were setting up was this is a tryout for the singer of the Postal Service. And it right. And this dude, Jimmy Tamarello. And, like, they had, like, a bunch of people. Like, Tom DeLonge was yeah, on, yeah, like, Amy yeah. Man. But there's a couple funny parts on it. Like, particularly, like, Mark Marin, He's, like, asking, like, what kind of music it's for. And Jimmy Tamarello is just, like, computer music. <laughs> and, the, like, there's a part with Weird Al, like, playing a, a fucking... I don't even know what the instrument is. You know, one of these An accordion? Things. Yeah, with, like, you know, the keyboard at the end. And it's just, like, insane. Like, he's, like, so Weird Al would talented. put these douches to shame <laughs> I don't know. his songwriting it, it, ability. It, it's good. I, I don't know. If you can in, include at least the, the Mark Marin and Weird Al part of the clip somewhere in here, uh, I would get some enjoyment out of it. But In addition to Tambrello from Dintel, it's Ben Gibbard from Death Cab and... Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie, who provides backing vocals on Give Up, but then they, I guess they made her an official member, which I don't really yeah. know what that means. Well, and she did play all their shows with them during their first tour, except for one, and then she did the reunion shows too, I yeah. guess. And I, I guess Ben Gibbard and her did not have really a relationship before this, and he just like called her up and was like, hey, yeah. do you want to sing on this album? And she was like, okay, sure, you know. <laughs> It's like an indie super group. Exactly. I well, would not get into Rilo Kylie probably for years after this album was out. Well, I was same, really late to that party. Same for me. And uh, I would say that I probably like Rilo Kylie more than Death Cab or Postal Service. Okay. Or yeah. Jenny Lewis's solo material, uh, which I, I don't really care for. I like all of the above, <laughs> including Jenny Lewis. This is going to turn into a shoot interview <laughs> yeah. in a minute. Uh, yeah. I, I saw Jenny Lewis live a few years ago and. Had a good time. Controversial statement. I, well, you told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Immediately following right. it and lied to me about what the set list was <laughs> so that I would like freak out for a minute. And then you're like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Remember this? You were, you said uh, that she played like that one Rilo Kylie song, that acoustic a one. A man yeah. than me, than Jim or whatever. You said that was like yeah. her encore. And I was like, really? <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> I just knew you liked that song. But she did play some good Rilo Kiley songs at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious as to what the story is with Rilo Kiley. I it feels like if they were a bigger band, then there their would like lore would be known. Like yeah. we would know like what the. It just seems weird that they Under the Blacklight was probably like their biggest album commercially, right. and it seemed like they were on top and well, not on top, but you know, like they <laughs> yeah. were all, they were about to be on like really run. big, right? And then they just disband quietly, really. Where they didn't even make it official to like years after they stopped doing stuff. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we're definitely not a band anymore. It was but, very weird. You know the whole story behind like the name of the Postal Service, like them sending the music. Yeah, back yeah, and yeah. Forth or whatever. I was so, going to bring it up, but I mean, you ruined it by just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, like just the idea of that, though, when you talk about like the years that have passed, like even the technology in 2003. Well, they like, were recording this... When I was still in high school, I mean, they started like in 2001 yeah. working on this. And, and I was like, like, who knew who Death Cab was in 2001? Well, that's the thing. Like, they did this song together for like yeah, for yeah. one of the Duntel or whatever albums. And it, it, 
this is the dream of Evan and Sean at C-H-A-N, which doesn't even seem like a real name. But Chan? <laughs> that's how I would pronounce it, but I've heard them talk about the song, and it oh. sounded like they were saying, like, Sean or something. Okay. But, yeah, like, so then they're like, well, well let's do an album or whatever, and Jimmy Tamarillo is, like, just sending him, like, packages in the mail. Yeah. And then Ben Gibbard's, like, literally walking around with, like, a, a discman listening to him and, like, writing the songs and then, like, recording other stuff and sending it back, which... Now you could see people doing that with like iPads. Yeah, it would like, be like instantaneous. Yeah, the idea. You wouldn't of have like, to actually like physically mail anything. Yeah, it seemed crazy. Just the technology changes from from then till now. Yeah, so that's where they got their name, and then the U.S. Postal Service was like, "What the fuck?" Temporarily mad at them, and then they, I don't know, they worked something out where they cut a deal. I don't know what kind of deal that. I mean, it seemed like it worked out for the band because then they were actually selling their album like on the. U.S. Postal Service's website at one point. a weird point. thing. Yeah, I don't know. But when you look back at like when this came out, I, you know, I was probably obsessed with Tell All Your Friends. Yeah, yeah. The first two Dashboard albums. Brand new. The first two brand new albums. All that Thursday, like all that kind of yeah. stuff. I got- but yeah, I mean, lyrically, this fit right in there and this would this would kind of become one of the iconic albums of that time period, but it would take like a couple years for me to get there, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, that's the weird thing about it too, because like I was going to shows a lot. And when I was like listening to albums that I really liked, I'm like, I'm going to go try to see this band. But this was one that like, by the time that I was even getting into this record, they were like way done with touring it. Like they did like one tour that kind of, I don't know, picked up hype as they went along. Like, the first show was, like, pretty small, and by the end of it, they were playing decent-sized shows. Yeah. And then it just, they were just kind of, like, done with it, but the album, like, continued to, like, gain popularity. Yeah, and they never did anything as far as a second album, although they talked about it for years, and it seemed like they were potentially kicking back-and-forth ideas and stuff. It just never came to fruition, and then eventually... It got to be the 10th anniversary of the record, and they did 15 bonus tracks, yeah, including well, two brand new songs that they had just recorded. You know, so I was I was a Death Cab fan, I was a Ben Gibbard fan, and like it seemed like following him just randomly every once in a while, like Postal Service would get mentioned on like his Twitter or something, where he was just like, "Yeah, we're not doing anything else." I think that they were hinting at things for a while. Some yeah, but I mean, you'd have to go back. It, the thing I was seeing was referencing interviews and stuff from like 2006 and oh, seven. Oh yeah, right. I mean, you'd have to go way back to when they were talking. So about like, it. I would pay attention. Like, I was on Twitter a lot, and like, he was someone that I followed, and then out of nowhere, it was just like, okay, we're doing a tour. Here's two new songs. But like a lot of times when I'd hear him in interviews kind of talk about Postal Service and people would bring it up, he seemed kind of like just sour on the whole thing. He seemed like he didn't really like this album as much as like the fans did or whatever. Yeah, it probably is just one of those things where you get asked about it all the time and it's just not what you're currently working right. on. So you get annoyed after a while. But I mean... I mean, one of my talking points was, is Give Up the best Death Cab album? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said. I, there I, are a few Death Cab songs that I liked. I never really liked the whole album or anything. I was never super into them, but I definitely had this in rotation for a while. So, oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I've, it uh, is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have. And when I was trying to like come up with stuff to do for this episode, there were certain Death Cab 
albums that I considered because, you know, I am a fan. But I do think that I've listened to this album in my life more than any given Death Cab album. Yeah, there's only so much of his voice that I can deal with. <laughs> I, I like his voice. <laughs> I feel like 10 tracks or, uh, or whatever the initial track listing that was that was more than enough but yeah when this popped up in 2013 you know i i was 26 living in pittsburgh <laughs> and i i really was i was still into music at that point in my life <laughs> I, it wasn't like now where i'm just like not into music at all right. but like i hadn't listened to postal service in a long time but i was just like okay this is cool this kind of grabs my attention and i saw as part of the tour they were doing two shows in brooklyn at barclay center and one of my good friends lives there, Dave, who does the artwork for the show. <laughs> I would say did. Yeah, as at in one past point, tense. right. <laughs> I hit him up and I was like, listen, I'm going to get tickets to the show and come out and we'll, we'll go do it and hang out. And he's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Come on, hang out. But like, he doesn't really care if we go to the show or not. Right. You know? But I, I was pretty excited for it. You know, uh, Ra Ra Riot was the opener of the show that we went to. They were like another, you know, I grew up in upstate New York. They were like a band in Syracuse when I was kind of like growing up and like, not, or, you know, back around this same time period. So I was like, okay, this will be cool. Like, this is actually something that I'm into doing musically, which doesn't really come up anymore. And I don't know. It was a, it was a fun experience. I mean, going to New York City for sort of a big show. But that's the thing. It's like this band that did one tour that wasn't really playing like that big of shows like comes back and now they're playing like all arena shows and i don't know if they were on coachella but they were definitely on some of the big festivals for that year they're doing two shows at the barclay center i mean it's not i don't think they were like sold out but they were pretty full yeah and it was a good time there was a couple memorable moments from it when we were like on our way they were like on the subway like and this was at a time in my life where i'd been like pretty single for quite a while and there was i don't know a group of like drunk 22 year old chicks and the one just like started talking to me right and I, i'm just like i don't know how to react to this like come on but she told me that i i looked like ben gibbard which like yeah at this point my like like probably like fat ben gibbard like right now he runs like ultra marathons and i was like skinny but i was like you know the chubby ben gibbard i could buy it because at this point i was like wearing like my emo glasses all the time right just sort of looked like a chud like an emo chud <laughs> then she starts telling me like this crazy story <laughs> like she's like yeah i've been hanging out with this guy he like owns a beach house it got like really dark i mean like it was like this guy who's like in his 40s or something oh like a, a sugar daddy yeah and I, but i mean she just seemed like a nice like 22 year old college girl no. i was like i think i need to remove myself from this conversation <laughs> like i could i didn't know what to like what do you even say to that she did just said I'm Ben Gibbard's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and went with it. And I think like we were going to the same show but like managed to like separate from them pretty quickly when we got off the subway because it was sure. just like But I, I don't know. At that point in my life it should have been like any opportunity to talk to like a cute single girl, but yeah. when it gets weird, how do you keep it going? Yeah, I know. Sometimes there's just mountains that come up that you just can't yeah overcome right <laughs> she says something too strange yeah i was like i just don't think i'm built for this so i guess just to finish the points they did the anniversary stuff and then a fi- you know made it official that they were disbanding they never released any follow-up album which frankly is for the best if you think about like it's the hard. most anticipated albums of all time they never live up to it even if they're not technically bad you can just never be what everyone wanted. And so even if people are like, yeah, this is pretty good, they just forget about it and move on. It's almost like it didn't happen. Like, yeah. 
after relationship of command everybody thought at the drive-in was just like this mythical thing I know. just the biggest thing ever they were at the height of like they were breaking right at that moment yeah. they're like we're not a band anymore another album i considered to pick for this but would have been hard to get a lot of content it would have been hard to remember yeah. i mean i was so into it at the time Same. But, it, it, I mean, they broke up in, like, 2000. I mean, you have to go back, like, so and, well, I know, and that's another one that's, like, I probably got, like, way into it in probably around the same time, 2004, 2005. Oh, no, I was into it at the moment. Wow. And Good for you. I remember when they broke up, and it was just like, whoa, this is so weird, because everyone was just getting into them. Yeah. And then all those years later, they release the follow-up album. They get back together for some shows and some festivals and stuff. And I listened to that their album. I can't even remember what it's called. And yeah, I, I don't even know if I listened to it. I remember like watching some of their live performances when they got back together. And I was like, this is okay. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not like it's bad, but you know, who cares? You just forget. Like, I can't remember anything about yeah. it. You just move on. And it was the same for Refused when Refused oh, finally sure, got back yeah. together and did a, did a new album or like when Chinese Democracy finally came out, the Guns N' Roses thing, the most expensive album ever made, it's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. And then people forget about it. It's like no one cares after it actually happens. And if Postal Service would have finally done something new after years and years and years, people would have been excited for like yeah. a week. And then it, it, it would it would have been like it never happened. It didn't really seem like people really cared about the, the couple of songs they released to go along with this re-release yeah nostalgia is way more valuable than anything new that's true it's almost better to if you can like hit and then like people care about it 10 15 years later it's almost better to never try to do anything else (laughs) because it will just disappoint people and it will almost tarnish the legacy of the original thing i know even if it's not bad and again i mean that's what's so interesting to me about this album is it did have this kind of success but not during the time when they recorded it and toured it you know yeah or i guess released it and toured it and it kind of came like a little bit after and uh, you know such great heights which i'm sure we'll get to a little bit when we go through the tracks quickly was a song that kind of everyone knows and recognizes yeah because it was in a bunch of commercials and a bunch of other shit so it's like it just kind of hits this degree of success, but like by the time it's successful, like the people that were in the band and created it aren't really enjoying like the fruits of that, other than like whatever financial kickbacks they're getting. Yeah, well, everybody seemingly was involved with their own things, so they had moved on. It, yeah, and I mean, for years it, it just seemed like they were just like, yeah, we're not really interested in doing anything else. And then out of nowhere, they do this tour, but then like I can remember, you know, still following Ben Gibbard on Twitter at the time, and it seemed like. As, like as soon as they like close that last show he just like tweets like and with that we close our doors for good or whatever like something like that and it was yeah. just like okay that's it yeah of course unless like a few years from now they get offered like a lot of money oh, to know. do something else you know who knows well dude it's like yeah i know it's like lcd sound system you know i have the blu-ray of their like last show madison square garden it's like we're retiring i'm not doing this anymore and that's just like i don't know Five years later, yeah. they released another album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's quickly talk about a few of the tracks. I mean, I don't really have stuff to say about all of them, so I'll let you take the lead yeah, and, totally. and decide what tracks need to be talked about the most. Well, I, for me, I, I I like the first half. Am I cutting you off? No. I just thought that was a funny one. <laughs> I like this song, but I don't like this one. Yeah. And I like this one, but not this one. Right. <laughs> well, okay. 
The District Sleeps Alone Tonight, track one. I'm in. Thoughts. Great opener, I think. Yeah, it's a pretty good song. Uh, I don't really have anything to say specifically about it. No, it captures a vibe for me. I mean, certainly uh, The District Sleeps Alone Tonight after the bars turn out their lights. It just reminds me of that time, like being out after Mm -hmm. the bars are closing, just being freshly 21. It was certainly like capturing a, a feeling and a time for me. So the next track is the big one. It's actually, I think, about New York City. Which song? Uh, Such Great Heights. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a, just a, a positive love song, which Gibbard said was his first one that he ever wrote. A, po- well, a positive yeah. song about love. No, that's the thing. I mean, you know, a lot of these... I do think he did have a, a talent for writing relatable relationship songs for me. But I think as I get older, I start to appreciate... Mm-hmm songs that hit in a way that I didn't necessarily care about as much when I was younger. Not that I don't appreciate like deeper album cuts now, but when a song becomes so big and transcendent from the album, and you know, I guess if you aren't super familiar with the Postal Service or or whatever, you weren't into the scene, maybe you're thinking like, so big, like what are you talking about? But you know, this song was like the Grey's Anatomy theme song and it was in yeah. several commercials. I mean, there's something that like just that whatever weird sound effect going back and forth between like the speakers and the beginning of it. I mean, yeah, but it's even more than that because I think it transcends to the covers too. Yeah. I think true. the song is just a good song. I agree with that. And that kind of just wins out because I think we were both saying like I experienced the Postal Service version of this song almost simultaneously with the Iron and Wine version. Because yeah, that's not all that different. Didn't for me. they include the Iron and Wine version on like? It's on that re-release in 2013. Yeah, but wasn't it on like something back then too? It was because, on the Garden State soundtrack. Yeah, but I feel like they put it on maybe like the Such Great Heights maxi single CD or something. <laughs> Could be. I don't. I don't know. know. I feel like it was on something because I it just was so associated together for me that. Okay. Yeah, that could be the case. I didn't really know who Iron and Wine was at the time, so I thought, is this something like one of the guys from this just doing a different version i, d- I didn't yeah. really know because like i said a lot of times i'd hear this stuff on like mixed cds so i wouldn't even have artist names or anything it would just be all clumped together and i'd be like oh this is the same song right. it's just a, an acoustic version i don't know what this is but i guess what i was saying was sometimes you as i got older the, like you understand why the single is the best song sometimes. Sure. Sometimes yeah. it isn't, but Well, that's true. Actually, a lot of times in my life, the number 1 single is uh, like not in my top well, the, favorite. I, songs. I don't know, was this the first single or was this the second? I don't I, even know. I think this was the first single. I think it was this, then District Sleeps Alone Tonight, then We'll Become Silhouettes. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure of the order, but yeah, this is definitely a highlight song and if if you weren't being biased. It's like, okay, well, this is the single. I either like it more or I don't like it more, whatever your thoughts are. If you're just like listening to this album, I mean, this is like definitely, you don't, you only need one listen to the album for this track to stand out. Yes. I like Sleeping In. Uh, yeah. Again, I don't really have a ton to true. say for, about it. For me, that one's just like, okay, it's catchy. I will yeah. say that. Now, nothing better writers at the time were making the comparison. I didn't even need to see that to make the same comparison and then Gibbard confirmed it's definitely an homage to Don't You Want Me by the Human League. Oh yeah. It's so it, you don't even I mean it's just like it's so similar because of the style the way it's set up where right. 
not just the alternating between the man singing and then the woman. It's like the woman is singing a response. Yeah. She's like, you know, correcting yeah. <laughs> what the man just said, exactly. which is very similar to the Human League song. Yeah, I, I think it's like a fun song. Obviously, I have that memory of how I first heard it, but I think it's catchy. I think lyrically it's it's fun with the back and forth, and it's kind of him like pitching these things and then her like setting the record straight. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting way to, to sing about like the end of a relationship. Yeah, I was thinking though, like the one line he's like, block the door like a goalie tending the net in the third quarter and i was like what sport is that referencing (laughs) tending the net in the third quarter the only thing i could possibly think of is like lacrosse maybe (laughs) do they have quarters in lacrosse i'm pretty sure they do yeah okay yeah i mean it's not as like undeniable as don't you want me but it's it's still pretty fun and that's the song that features jen wood on vocals right Whereas most of Which, the other f- female voice that you'll hear is Jenny Lewis. Yeah, and now, like, obviously, like, when I went to see them perform live, it was Jenny Lewis doing this song. Right. Recycled Air. Nah. It feels very similar to Sleeping In until he starts singing, and, and then the melody is a little different. But when it first starts, I was like, didn't I already hear this song? Yeah. For me, it's like these next two, like Recycled Air and Clark Gable. Now, kind of Clark Gable, I don't album. necessarily love it, but when I was like reading what it was about and like listening to the lyrics, I was like, man, this is like a fucking weird song. Yeah. Just this idea of like calling an ex-girlfriend to be like, let's f- film some home movies as like a movie. Yeah. It <laughs> and is her strange. agreeing to it. I was like, <laughs> what? what is going when on in her life? Yeah. What inspires <laughs> a, Yeah. I'll go ahead and do like this. That. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I could imagine me calling some ex-girlfriends and being like, hey, let's... Yeah. <laughs> and the, their response would be like, I thought you died. <laughs> You're still alive? <laughs> you haven't committed suicide yet? What are you waiting for? Yeah, I mean, well, there's always definitely some certain, like, cringe lines and imagery. I do always think, like, he manages to work in, like, some really good lines into a lot of these songs, too. Yeah. I mean, I would say that... When I first went to re-listen to this, I didn't have much of a feeling past a certain track, but once I got the information and paid attention more to the lyrics, I, I started to like Clark Gable a little bit more than I had previously. Yeah. So We Will Become Silhouettes is next. That was a single. Yeah, one in my earlier runs with the album I, d- I didn't really care about, but as, as time went on, I, that's one that kind of grew on me. I would see... I like the district sleeps alone tonight. I don't really have much of a feeling on we will become silhouettes, but I don't think either of them are great singles. I think. Well, that's true. I I don't know that this album. I think sleeping in and nothing better and brand new colony yeah, would be better singles. It's kind of shocking that brand new colony isn't. At brand new colony is like a a bright spot in the middle of a couple of real duds for me. Yeah. This place is a prison is so earnest. And you're just like, oh, is this, I mean, a song about being an alcoholic? It's like, oh, we get it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's on. just like hey, kind listen. of a slog to get through. That's true. I kind of like, what does it take to get a drink in this place as a line? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's, that's the line for me where I was just like, really? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> is there, are they like reading my notebook from sixth grade? Well, the way that, uh, <laughs> and even the way that it kicks in with the, dun, you know, like, it, it, I, yeah, it, it never really was. But Brand New Colony sounds like your fucking little cousin is playing Nintendo in right, the back like and someone made a song like out of it. Mario, yeah. Yeah. But I also think Brand New Colony 
lyrically was something that I was like really getting into at the time because it's kind of like the idea of being with some chick just getting away from everything yeah you know which was something that it's just like sounded so appealing at that point in my life I would say that it was probably usually my second favorite song on the album after such great heights yeah it's interesting because like we say it's not a single or anything but I'm pretty sure when I saw them live this was the closer this was the last song that they played natural anthem i think is, this works as like a closing song like it's it, an odd song it's five minutes long and the lyrics don't the vocals don't start till the four yeah. minute mark so you're just sitting there listening to computers for four minutes yeah which, i mean i guess if you're into electronic music i never really was like a big electronic music guy so i, I like like instrumental stuff I, and i understand that like it's not necessarily instruments here but like <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm into this song. I, I think it's kind of cool. I think, like, the music is catchy. Now, when they played live, it. did they do the whole thing with, like, videos and stuff playing like they did on their first tour? Like, what did it look like on stage? Because I know Gibbert was afraid that it was when a- they first toured the first time back in, like, 2003, he was concerned at what the crowd was going to think because he's like, it might just look like a guy on a computer. No, so he was. They came up with like movies and stuff and all this stuff. No, I mean this was like a whole stage show with like all these lights in the background and everything. Were uh, people playing instruments or was yeah, it all yeah, computers? Well, oh no, they were. I mean, he plays guitar on like almost every one of these songs. Okay. He also plays drums on some of them. Like there's times in the songs where he would like stop playing and like go behind a drum set and start. He plays oh, the drums wow. on like Brand New Colony, I think. And then like Jenny Lewis was playing like guitar and like keyboard. Like do they do like too. covers too, or how do they make they did, this a whole show? They did only... one cover, I believe. They did the old song that like started this all, like that Duntel, "This Uh-oh. Is the Dream" of Evan and Sean or whatever. And then they did like the the couple of new songs. I, I don't know. It, it ended up working out that they had I don't know Enough sixteen material. to seventeen songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you have fifteen bonus tracks, there's a lot to pull from. Right. <laughs> So, do we have anything else to say about Give Up by the Postal Service? No, I mean, it's just... one it was of a moment in time. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, I do just think that, like, for me, it, it, it was We were watching a, American Beauty and listening to Postal Service. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was feeling similar ways... George W. Bush was president. ...reacting to, like, American Beauty and this album, certainly. <laughs> feeling very sentimental at this point in my life. People are always nostalgic for when they were a certain age, and that's just considered, like, the best time. Sure. And so for us, it's, like, that weird late... I mean, I'm a few years older than you, so mine probably starts in, like, the late 90s and goes into the early 2000s. Yours is probably... Mine's more like 2003 to 2006. Yeah. 2007. I think I'm just nostalgic for anything that isn't, like, right now. <laughs> it always seems like it was better, even if we're talking 15 minutes ago. But <laughs> it's like, better than it is right now. You know, I, I am a, a Ben Gibbard fan, like, musically. Like, I like the Death Cab stuff. I've liked, like, some of the solo stuff that he's done. Oh, but no. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm in. <laughs> but I will say, I, I do, at, at times, like, he seems like kind of like a dick. When I saw Death Cab live... The guy that tunes his guitar brings it out and, like, puts it around him. And I guess the guy kept, like, fucking up the tuning. Because, like, I mean, it was just, like, a couple times, but Ben Gabriel was just like, really, man? On mic, too. And then he left the stage mid-song. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it was asinine. He's like I was fucking kind of, Axl Rose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And then, like, he came back out. He, he was like, we're Death Cab for Cutie, and we'll come back when the equipment's ready or whatever. Being an asshole. And then he came back out. 
and it was like still fucked up and he was just like you know what i'm just gonna fucking do it myself or whatever and like i'm like yeah you can tune your own guitar <laughs> like god so maybe do you want to retract your comments about zoe de chanel well yeah i will that say you made off mic before we started <laughs> i was... mean based on what you're saying i don't know how we could see the end of their uh, marriage any other way it's hard to judge someone off one interaction but yeah i, I do remember she was an elf i do Matt. yeah i know <laughs> hey, listen, I love Zoe Deschanel, although it's just like, I have turned on her, certainly. I didn't really have a negative opinion of her, and I, I, I don't. I should say I don't, because I don't really have any opinion of her, but it, I did find it odd that she was getting another divorce well, already. Well, this is the thing. Whenever her and Ben Gibber were getting divorced, now, like, I was into them as a couple, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, God. <laughs> Come on. I'm like, you know, I was like a she and him fan, like, I'm like, this is cool. And then they get divorced, and it, I'm like, it has to be her. <laughs> yeah it's the thing that just is weird to me it, and i think zoe deschanel is actually like the embodiment of this idea which is that i think that certain actresses are like bigger stars than they are because i remember well i, I when mean, it became known that she was gonna do a tv show on fox and i was stunned and i mean yeah new girl was a hit and it lasted a long time but yeah i think it was a big hit I just was like, I can't believe she's doing a TV show on Fox. I thought she yeah. was a movie star. And then I realized, like, yeah, she's really not a big movie star. I mean, she's in a decent amount of movies, or at least was at Yeah, but, she, I mean, she wasn't, like... True. She wasn't, like, a name. She probably made way more from TV than she ever did Well, absolutely. It's not like people were and, buying and tickets she to Zoe like, Deschanel movies. I, I mean, she really picked up in the mainstream, like, heading into that New Girl time, too. I guess. It's just... It was a hard lesson to learn about a lot of actresses after that, I think. I realized, like, oh, I just because I think somebody is famous and great, you look at their actual career and you're like, yeah, they're not really that big of stars. Most of their movies are, like, straight to VOD or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not that that's even that bad these days because there's tons of people like that now. But I don't know. I just I just remember being completely stunned thinking, wow, I can't believe she's just doing, like, a regular sitcom that could get canceled. I know. Because that's the thing with TV. You put yourself out there, and if it doesn't get the ratings, I mean, it could You're get canceled almost immediately, and then you look like an idiot. And I, I was like, oh, I thought she was a movie star. But meanwhile, she was in 500 Days of Summer. It's like, how much money did that make at the box office? I, it wasn't like a big hit, really. No, but I have the Blu-ray and the soundtrack. I hate that movie. <laughs> I promise you listeners right now, we will never do 500 Days of Summer wow. on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe if, if we I get to episode 500. But when I pick the episodes, it just it doesn't go good. When you pick the episodes, I usually say no. Right. <laughs> I say we're not. We'll do that later. <laughs> I mean, I put it on the list, but I put it under TBD. <laughs> yeah, it's on the list, but there's several pages right. of other things we get before that. So I don't know. This was probably the last episode that I'll pick the topic for. No, there's always an open invitation for you to. That's the thing. If only I could pick something good. I always ask you to pick things, and you never have any answers. That's true. Well, I also feel like when I do pick things, you're just like, I'm intentionally not going to be into this episode. <laughs> when did I ever do that? No, Except for maybe one time. <laughs> no, no flower even... comes to mind. I saved that episode. <laughs> In post. <laughs> We're really pulling the curtain back right now. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for On the Record. We'll see you in 2020. 
on the record will return eventually but get ready for the greatest october which will be coming up hopefully we'll be able to release the yeah, first one on quickly here october 1st but we have a lot of episodes planned it should be fun yeah hopefully we'll get back to good content here i think this one okay okay all right we'll see you next time see ya. i'll be the grapes fermented bottled and served with a table set in my finest suit like a perfect gentleman i'll be the fire escape that's
Jimmy Tamborello. Hey. What's going on, bro? How you doing? Dave from Sub Pop. Listen, man, we're here to find you a partner. All right, we need to surround you with talent so that your weird genius shit can do its thing, all right? Think about the peppers. You're the flea, right? So we need a Kiedis. We need a shirtless maniac up there for all the girls to get wet over. That's how the music industry works. We comb MySpace, Friendster, all the sites, all right? I think we have a good line on some really good guys. You ready for this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are. Let's kill it. Got the first guy? My name's Mark. Mark, all right, show us what you got, bro. <clears throat> what do you need, man? A little of that? Oh, that was on purpose. What's your name? Jimmy. Jimmy, what, it's your band? Yeah. What do you play? It's computer music. Computer music, but like... You like that? <laughs> he likes that. That's hilarious. Why are you wasting my time? Name? Al. All right, Al, let's see what you got. <clears throat> I've got a cupboard with cans of food, filtered water and pictures of you, and I'm not coming out till it's all over. And I'm looking through the glass where the light bends around the cracks, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, pretending the echoes belong to someone. Someone I used to know. And we become silhouettes when our bodies finally go bye 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 bye. What do you think? Maybe next time, Al. Is, is there going to be a next time? Yep. Okay.